Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Get a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis and this is MJ Network And we are very excited that we have the author of Iron City here, Lee Matthew Goldberg And Lee, good morning, how are you? Welcome to MJ Good morning, Network. Fran. Thanks for having me as always. Well, this is this is a really interesting book, and it's scary, which is really up my alley. Mm-hmm. So, okay, how cool. did you cre- how did you create Orange City, and how many so many classes of different people? It's almost like a caste system. Yeah, yeah. I, so Orange City's had a long kind of road. It originally was a short story I wrote in college back in the day, um, and it's always been a book that I picked at kind of more and more, um, and with each new draft, it, the science fiction aspect kind of grew more and more, um, and yeah, it's definitely a takedown on, like, capitalistic societies. Yeah, I know, it's like, but I was listening to some of the things that are going on in the news, and I felt like I was reliving it in this one, with the cast is when people, judging people by who they are and what they are, I hate that, so... Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not an easy place to to live. <laughs> Much like our own, you know, world sometimes. Yeah, I know. Tell us about Ian's original position. Sure. So the book opens um with a supporting character. You get kind of a window into the world um through this man called E. He's what's called a scout and scouts in 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 this world um they basically come from the city. Um, and they go into the outside world and they recruit people to come to the to come to the city. And it's usually people who um, have nothing to to gain by staying in the outside world. Either they've um, they're going to prison or you know their life is kind of falling apart. So the city becomes sort of um, you know a, a, a tease. You know, it's like come to the city, restart your life. But what they don't know is they're then bound to the city forever. Um, and, and basically work like servants. So how and why does he appear to move up, though? How does somebody move up in this group? Yeah, so uh, the city has sort of a big brother aspect to it. Um, it's monitored sort of by um, uh, the ruler of the city, the man. Um, and you move up by basically obeying all his orders working to the bone um, and creating profit for the city. Um, and if you do that, you, you know, you're, you're kind of awarded with um, a nicer house, um, better neighborhood. Um, so there's all these incentives to kind of, um, you know, behave. Um, but the people are still locked in the city forever. So there's only kind of so far you can go up. I know. It's almost like a prison, but not, not really. But yeah, you're stuck there no matter what you do, and if you screw yeah, up, it's, it's pretty, you don't want to know. <laughs> it's a different kind of prison. So the other character that was scary 
is the man. How did he create his appearance, and why was everybody so afraid of him? Yeah, so the man, um, he likens himself almost to looking like an arachnid spider. He kind of collects other people's limbs and attaches them to his body and elongates Ew. his body. So he, he's this very sort of thin creature with all of these different arms and um, it's, it's to kind of put fear in all of the citizens. Um, and also the people who misbehave, um, he'll kind of take their arms and legs away from them. Um, so, yeah, he's not a nice guy. This is, this is scary, huh? So what yeah, is this yeah, guy to... It's scary. Oh, my God. How come these people didn't fight back? Nothing. They just let him do it. Well, I mean, it's hard. They're, they're under his thumb, basically. You yeah. know, if you misbehave, you get, you get tossed to what's called the empty zone. Um, and these are sort of barren wastelands, and the people are really almost like tortured there, and then their limbs are taken. So he's, he's found a, a really sort of, you know, way that works for him in the city to keep his citizens in line as much as possible. Um, you know, but the book is about sort of the, re- the revolt that happened. Um, so it, it's all about um, the citizens kind of finally waking up and seeing that this is not the paradise they think it is. It's horrible. So how does Graham come into the picture at first, and why do some agree to the terms for living there, not me? Yeah, so Graham was um, in the outside world, and he's had some trouble past. His parents died when he was young. He was bounced around mm-hmm. the foster home. foster father was very cruel to him. Um, and when he's 19, he decides to rob a liquor store with a wooden gun um, and winds up, you know, going to prison for that. And the scouts come and make him an offer. He goes away comes to the city um, and works for the city. Uh, so he's enticed. He's nothing else to lose. Um, and then fast forward 10 years later, and he's sort of still in a rut working in the advertising world there. Um, basically miserable, but no idea how to kind of break out of the, you know, the rut then. Why don't these people realize that their points they're like on a chess, like on a chess pieces, and they move you wherever you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, they're they live in fear. So you know, if they misbehave, they're chucked to these barren wastelands. So it's it's almost like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And at least if they behave, they're given a stipend. They get to go out to the downtown for the you know few hours they have free at night and party their you know asses off. Um, and then go back to sort of the drudgery. Um, and again, there's no way of getting out of this city. So it, it sort of exists on its own island. Um, and all these people have just kind of, you know, sealed their fate. Um, and they need somebody to kind of take control of, of their situation and, and shake them and wake them up. That's scary. That's scary. That's horrible. So, this was cool. Tell us about the different flower. I don't drink soda. The different flavors yeah. of pal sodas and how each one is different. And this is really cool, people. They react and manipulate. They they could make you good or bad. 
Yeah, so um, Graham works for an advertising company. His new um, client is um, Pow Sodas, um, and he starts to get addicted to the different flavors. So he drinks the orange one first, um, and all of a sudden he's seeing orange everywhere, and it kind of brings out the passion. And, you know, he, with the green, he becomes very jealous. With the blue, he becomes very sad. So the sodas start to control his emotions, he starts to see that maybe they're controlling a lot of the other citizens as well, and that it's all kind of engineered by man. It's scary. But the, um, I don't know. I don't drink soda, so it doesn't matter to me. Yes. But I, I would probably take the one that turned me evil, just to see how it feels. Yes. Soda's pretty terrible for you, you know, it's, it's more than the allotted amount of sugar you need in a day in each can. Um, and I don't drink mm-hmm. soda either. Um, but when mm-hmm. I was writing the book um, and I was younger, I remember seeing a commercial for soda and literally going to my fridge and grabbing one. And I was like, huh. Um, and it, the book is really a lot about the power and the control of advertising. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you could look up the numbers, like how many people are addicted to soda in America how many drink a Diet Coke before breakfast each morning. Um, you know, it's a drug in and of itself. Sugar is a drug. No, I wasn't allowed to have anything except water and juice. I was overweight as a kid. Not anymore. Oh, so I wasn't yeah. even allowed to have an egg cream or an ice cream soda ever. Well, that's some, Only that's if I was some, really good. I feel like... I know, it's so... I know, it's so sad. And I can't eat ice cream now because I'm allergic to milk, not even lactose, so forget that. Never have to worry. So the other part Yeah, was, I mean, you know, I'm lactose too. There's so many, like, like I'll eat, like, a cashew milk um, ice cream. There's options out there now, you know, if you want that flavor, but you can't have the lactose. I, I'm lactose I've been lactose intolerant since I was 17 as well, so I don't I don't. No, I don't eat ice cream ever. The lactose stuff look. So how did you create his visions and what he thinks he experienced? Um, so yeah, the book has a very kind of psychedelic atmosphere to it. Um, you kind of don't know what's going on, much like Graham doesn't know what's going on. But then as it progresses, I think you're almost a step ahead of him as a reader a little bit. You kind of see um, there's some mm. type of kind of cola conspiracy going on, um, and he's a little bit behind to catch up. Um, but yeah, it was kind of doing a lot of research about kind of colors and 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 sort of what each color means and feels you get. You know, a mood connected to colors. You have a different mood when you see the color orange when you see the color blue. You know, blue is calm, the ocean, um, orange. You know, it's sun, fire. Um, so it was really interesting, kind of playing with with these different color palettes. It almost made me feel a little bit like a painter um, as opposed to mm. just a writer for the book. That is interesting. So why doesn't mm-hmm. he see clearly? He doesn't really see what he sees. He thinks what he sees what he sees. Yeah, so, you know, it's almost like it's like a like a psychedelic drug. Um, and because it's a conspiracy, um, there's people engineered to kind of F with him a little bit. So... When he's drinking the orange sodas, the man puts out a lot of people dressed in orange, so it heightens sort of his connection to it. Um, you know, so he's seeing a lot of orange, literally, 
um, and then it's making him see a lot more orange, you know, figuratively, I guess, or um, psychedelically. So tell us about Mick, and why does he become his friend? Yeah, so, you know, Mick is Mick is his sort of, you know, frat boy buddy friend um, at, at the company. Um, and he's a complicated character. I don't want to give too much because there's sort of a twist in Mick's no. character. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's sort of there, it's the best friend role. Um, and as the conspiracy kind of progresses, um, you see that Mick kind of has his own designs. Um, for what he wants out of the city, and maybe who's kind of pulling his strings a little bit. Um, you know, and like, the, the book is science fiction, but I mean, a thriller writer prominently. So there's a lot of thriller elements, um, you know, and thrillers, there's always kind of twists and characters that, you know, appear one way and then actually are other ones. So Mick is somebody that surprises me as, as the book kind of progresses. Well, what about the elders? What role do they have? I don't like them at all. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the elders are sort of the man stooges. They're these, they're these two very, very ancient um, men. They don't really speak. They just kind of go around to the different companies and serve and then um, scribble in the notepads when they think somebody's doing something bad and report it back to the man. Um, so, you know, th- there's a lot of... Um, of eye symbolism in the book um, and you know the elders are, are basically you know the man's eyes on the ground that aren't cameras um, yeah that's their role they're creepy they're definitely creepy they are and they never these people always stay in this particular world they never get out into the real world the real 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 world like we will be yeah they don't the get there the only people that leave are, are, are like the character E, the, the character that are the, that are the scouts, um, and you know they leave for a short amount of time. They scout to select people to come to the city, um, and then the rest of their existence is in the city. And for them, it, they, you know, the outside world has been kind of decimated by sort of probably what would be like World War Three. You know, the, it's called the war to end all wars. Um, so it's not a great place. The outside world really. Um, has fallen apart and is kind of trying to get itself back together. Um, so a lot of the enticement of the city is like, at least it's not that, you know, at least in the city, the downtown area, they can go out, they can go to bars, they can go to clubs, there's music. So there's an element that exists in the city that's not in the outside world anymore, you know, where the outside world is just depressing, it's sad, it's sort of a wasteland. Um, and, and, and I think that's what keeps the, the, the citizens a little more, like, in line in the city as well. That's scary. Now, what happens if you you wind up in the empty zone? You're in big trouble, right? You're in big trouble, yeah. So the empty zones, like I said there, um, you know, for people who go out of line, um, and they're sort of used as, as a fear mechanism. You know, it's like, do what you're told, or, you know, that's, that's the future. Um, and the people there, are basically, they're fed these pills, and the pills cause their limbs to fall off. And the limbs are kind of collected and brought to the man. Um, so, yeah, I can't imagine that anybody would want to end up there. Now, let's talk about Graham's past and his parents. How come they were the only ones that got out? That's so weird. Yeah, so they, well, they started a rebellion back in the early days of the city. So the city, you know, probably wasn't as um, 
kind of locked down as, as the current city is now. It was in an early version of the city when the man mm. sort of first was kind of seizing power of it. Uh, so, yeah, they – and, you know, originally the city was kind of filled as a utopian paradise. It was like, you know, the, the world is terrible. We're going to have this place where we're going to give a second chance of life for, you know, people that maybe made a mistake or, you know, their lives weren't so great in the outside world. So his parents were two people who really, uh, and he, he didn't know this about his parents. This is, you know, this is something he learns later on. Um, but, you know, his parents had a, had a good design for the city, and the man was kind of this crazy dictator who took it over. Um, so when that starts to happen, um, you know, with little baby Graham, they and, you know, unfortunately they're tracked down and ultimately Graham's brought back many years later. I'd love a picture of this place. I can see it on the, yeah. on the cover, but you can't tell. Yeah, I'd love a picture of it to see what Orange City looks like. <laughs> Just so yeah, I mean, I think the, the best way that could happen is if it ever becomes sort of a, a film or a, a TV series. Um, I think that the visuals would be really, really, really cool to see. Very kind of, um, you know, graphic novel, video game. Yeah. I, I see it as, yeah. Well, I know who's getting the book after I'm done. He's sitting inside. He asked for it. Um, so what did, what did, why was Graham sent? What did he do wrong? He, did, had to, he had to commit a crime. Otherwise, he wouldn't be there. He, and he wouldn't right. be under the lock yeah, and key he, of having to do this. He robbed a, a liquor store with a wooden gun um, and, and was taken in. So it was almost that they were waiting. You know, he, he was somebody, like I said, he'd been abused. He'd been through the foster system. Um, you know, at 18, he was chucked down on his own. And it was almost inevitable that he would, you know, commit a crime. Um, and the minute that that one happens, the man kind of pounces because the man wants him back in the city um, to kind of get back at his parents for leaving, basically. Well, this is my favorite part. Mm-hmm. When he goes to the bar, and he has the visions, but every time he goes to a bar, it's showing the color of what he's drinking. And that's what yeah. happens. So how did you create it? That's, that's so cool, let me tell you. Thank you. Yeah, so there's sort of four different bars. You know, There's four different soda flavors that are prominent in the book. Um, there's orange, you know, lime, blue raspberry, and, mm-hmm. and cherry. Um, so the different bars he goes to, there's the Citrus Club when he's on orange, there's Lime Lounge, there's Blue Moon, which is you know, named after the, you know, the song Blue Moon. Um, and then for Cherry, he goes to Red Rum, you know, which is a wink to um, you know, Stephen King's The Shining. Um, and they all kind of encapsulate the idea. So the Citrus Club is you know, it's like passionate, fun, everybody's dancing. Um, you know, Blue Moon, everybody's kind of crying into their drinks that, you know, red rum is, is blood and, and, you know, kind of decadence and, you know, has a, has a kind of evil feel to it. Um, so, yeah, it was really fun. You know, it was a fun book to write. It, it, there, was, there, was a lot, there was a lot of kind of cool visuals. And, you know, I, I love noir, and that book has a very kind of, um, even though it's sci-fi, a very noir feeling. You know, it's, there's so many influences that I kind of took from. You know, all the way from like David Lynch to Philip K. Dick to Kafka, Orwell, um, even just you know movies like um, Drive and Only God Forgives, and um, yeah, I mean it was, the book is really just a mishmash of so many different influences. 
I think that a lot of people today, kids especially, with what's going on with the ridiculousness in the bars, I bet they would sign up to do this and go to different bars with different colors and see what they could experience. Yeah, I, I bet yeah. they. I think they would. What do you, what do you think? I think they definitely would. <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's something kind of enticing about you know a soda that changes yeah. your mood. You know, you're sad. You drink an orange. All of a sudden, you're lively and happy and passionate. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Um, you know, especially especially these days. Well, he becomes a taster, but these are all such different things. But how come? What's in it that makes you like? I mean, he must have he must have had one cases one day. I was getting like gas pains just listening, reading, listening to him. You know, saying, "Oh my God, how could you drink so much soda?" You're like, he's like more than addicted to it. It's like I have to have it. I have to have it. And if you don't give me, I'm going to get you. Yeah, I mean, it 100 percent just becomes you know a, an, an addictive drug. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's you know it's it's stretching the bounds of reality, definitely. But it's it's like an addict you need to fix, you know. Heroin addicts get that, you know, needle in their arm. Um, but, you know, like I said before, the, you know, America is more addicted to soda than a lot of other places. You know, there's people who drink two liters of soda every day. That is a full addiction. And it's an addiction that's almost way worse than for you than some other addictions that we deem bad. You know, if you have a beer a day, that's honestly probably better for you than having a soda a day, um, you know, just in terms of, like, the amount of sugar. You know, sugar, there's nothing good that it does to your body at all. Um, you know, at least a beer will act with you. I'll stick with coffee, black coffee. Oh, oh sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody needs that, a that and water. Have, yeah, you have to have a vice in life. You know, hopefully that vice yeah. doesn't kind of take over your life. Um but you know you have you have to have you have to have something. I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't I don't really. I love coffee. Drink caffeine. Yeah. Um, but you know I have I have a vice or two that you know makes me happy. No, that's my vice, people. Just black coffee, and if I don't have my five a day, I'm in a very nasty mood. It's not good for okay. you. Okay. Right. Actually, I was told that caffeine no. is great for your brain. No wonder I'm smart. They said. <laughs> So yeah, you know, there's all uh, these reports always with coffee. It's terrible for you. It's great for you. It's, it's like you never know who to listen to. If it, if it works for your body, all our bodies are different. And I think it's about learning what works for your body. You know, like you said, you're lactose intolerant, no milk. But you know, for you, maybe ca- caffeine is necessary. You know, if it's you running. So who? What about? Tell us about Wharton, Mind, and Donovan. I don't know about those two. Yeah, so the the company that he works for is called Born in Mind and Donovan um, Advertising, um, and, and it's run by these you know three men who are shrouded in mystery. You know they're never seen, they're never heard from. They kind of exist mm. on this high floor up in the sky, um, and it's really not until the end of the book that you know those people are revealed and their motives are revealed. You know they're, they're always thought of as like students for the man that they're basically like you know another version of his eyes. Um, but, you know, nothing, everything in Orange City has kind of another side to it, you know. Um, so just like that, so they have their own motive, um, and it might not be um, all that, that the man, it might not be aligned with what the man wants. So who's really in charge? They don't really know, do they? I mean, ultimately, the man is in charge, you know, of everything. Um, 
but you know, it, like mm. anything else, there's you know, big cities. There's a lot of people to kind of monitor. You have to have underlings that help monitor those people. Um, you know, the question mm. arises is, you know, how long can you keep those underlings under your thumb? You know, are they also going to want to rise up? Are they not happy with, you know, the situation that they're in? Um, so the man's always, you know, he's, it's always this, you know, stacking plates, balancing act that he's kind of, you know, doing in, in, in his city. Um, you know, and like anything, you can't do that forever. Eventually the plates are going to fall. So... What happens in all of these zones? Everything is different, right? Besides an empty zone, there are different different zones. What is the highest zone that you can get that maybe the man lives in? What is the highest one that you can that you would want to be if you were in charge? Yeah, so the man lives in his eye tower, which is this like hundred foot tall tower in the shape of an eye. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's the highest place. Uh, but there's other places. There's you know these estates where people live in these modern apartments where everything's robotic and you know you walk in and a drink is handed to you by a robot and um, you know so the idea is to kind of get over you know where Graham lives. He lives in Box Lane. They're kind of these cookie cutter um, you know stacked little little apartments on top of each other. Um, so you know the goal is to move up in, in society either to become like a finance the finances who control the finance or like the Wall Streeters, um, you know, they get to go to the best club, they get to, you know, um, have the most stipends, they live in the, the nicest neighborhood, um, but they also are literally, literally chained to their desk all day. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a trade-off. And, you know, for Graham, he wants to move up in, in his advertising company. That's sort of the goal. It's what he was brought to the city for. Um, but again, it's all a mirage. You know, yeah, you could live in this nice apartment and robots and you would drink, but you're still oppressed um, in the city. So nobody's really living well. It's all an illusion for the most part. It's almost like you have artificial intelligence, right? The, the yeah, robots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of, um, you know, the book is set in the future. It's not named when. Um, but it's definitely not in this time, um, and you know it, it. It shows a world where robots. You know, the man's design has become more robotic. So every time he's adding a limb to him, you know it kind of works almost as a robotic um, limb. Um, and you know, his design is to be half man, half robot, um, ultimately, um, and to kind of you know get rid of pure humanity. It's too bad that they can't come up with these robotic limbs for people that lose their arms and legs for real. That would be a blessing. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, in, in our society, they, they do. Like, they really do have, these days, um, uh, amazing kind of artificial limbs that, that, that people have, 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 have been able to use in life. Um, and it really, in the last couple of years, it's, it's astounding what they've been able to do. You know, in, in our city society, that doesn't exist. And people without sort of, a, you know, it's almost a little bit like Nazi regime, where anybody with any deformity was kind of looked down upon, you know, in, in the society. So it's ideal for perfection. And anybody who doesn't have that um, is kind of cast it aside. So people, even in the outside world, who are missing a limb are seen as, are seen as kind of less than. Um, and, and that's also how they're kind of brought and tight to come to the 
city. Come to the city, work really hard, maybe you'll get that limb that you, you know, wanted your whole life. Um, so, you know, again, it's all this kind of game. Um, and, you know, as, as you learn as the book progresses, there are other cities as well. So, you know, the kind of question is who is, is somebody above the man, obviously, you know, and who is this person kind of controlling everything? Um, you don't quite find yeah. out. That, that would be for the sequel, yeah. I don't think I want to visit Orange City ever. Or maybe, no, maybe, well, maybe, no, maybe purple because I like purple and blue. <laughs> maybe purple. Yeah, I don't, I yeah, don't even, again, know. I mean, I don't even not, do orange. You know, yeah, I mean, any dystopian book is not a place you really want to go to. You, you know, you read dystopia. Dystopia kind of either shows you where you are. You know, your society is actually better, even if things are terrible. It could be worse in a dystopian society, or you start to see the parallels too. You know, where you know the book, even though I started a long, long time ago, um, you know, the last four years of the crap that we went through, you know, under um, I'm not even say his name, um, definitely permeated into the book as well. You know, so you know, we we there was an element of dictatorship. Um, and, you know, that exists in Orange City, too. Orange was the first soda that he drank, right? That was his first yeah. one? Mm-hmm. So how come you na- – is that why you named it Orange City after Orange? Why did you name it for a reason? Yeah, I you, originally for the book a long, long time ago it was called Orange Girl. So the, um, the girl he falls in love with in the book, Marlene, Marlena, um, kind of – first meets when he's on Orange. It was a little bit more about her. She was a little bit more of a central character. And, you know, and at extra draft, she, she's still a main character. But um, I, I just had a really good ring to it. And, you know, the city awakens for him when he's on Orange. So, you know, the city is not Orange City, but it becomes kind of Orange City for him. Um, and you don't really see Orange in, like, book covers, um, mm, yeah. and for whatever reason, it's not used. It, 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 people think it's like too much, too vibrant. So I'm really digging that. Like the book really stands out. You know, it has a very orange cover. It almost looks like it's on fire. Um, it, it sort of just works. And I don't know. There's this like, even though orange is such like a a positive, passionate color, um, there's something kind of menacing about it as well. So I, I, I like that when you look at the cover, um, it's, some, it, it's like there's like an ominous kind of quality to it. Um, and I don't know, it just had a good ring to it, too. Especially the guy that's standing on top, and that thing looks like an eye. Yeah. He's standing in. Yeah, so that's the man's office. That's the man. Know, yeah, yeah. So it's the man in his eye tower that's shaped like an eye. And yeah. the man almost becomes like the pupil of the eye, watching all his citizens with his sort of many arms. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just a cool visual. You know, the, the, the book is, what I really wanted to come out of it were really kind of visuals that stick in your head. Um, and I was really influenced a lot by um, the painter Francis Bacon. Um, Francis Bacon does these really kind of eerie, weird, you know, very almost like everything looks like it's melting upon itself and just these creepy characters. Um, I went to an exhibition 
I think it was in the Guggenheim a few years ago. Um, and I had been thinking about the character, the man. He kind of came out of that. So he's sort of this mixture of, like, Slender Man and a Francis Bacon painting kind of mushed into one. Um, he's cool. I, I, I mean, I, thinking about all my characters, again, I, I, my first sci-fi book, um, but I've never written a character like the man before. You know, he definitely stands out. He's not a character, you know, after you write a few books, you have a few books on your belt, you kind of forget some of your early characters. You're like, oh, right, that person. Um, the man is not somebody I'd ever Oh, God. So before I forget, um, mm-hmm. Monday, the author of The Madness of Q. And on Wednesday, special time, 11 o'clock, matter of life and death, the one and only Philip Morgan is going to be here. He requested the interview. He's fantastic. Um, on the 5th, Dr. Charles Toftoy, he wrote about 34 blunders in American history, including 9-11. He's going to tell you why they could have been avoided. That's really scary. On the 12th, wow. the author of Diamond for Her, it's about a man that bought a baseball field and his wife. And What Happened by Mark Sass. And on the 15th, Kerry Peralta, The Deadening. And on the 19th, Daniel, Palumbo, Daniel Palmer, uh, The Perfect Daughter. That book is so scary. You have no idea. So oh, that's part I, of what's coming I up wanna, in I'm April. I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. I, and I know Dan well, yeah. For those of you that are fans of Tess Garrison, June 29th with Gary Braver, be there. Choose me. Woo. I read it in zap time. I, I, you know, I've been getting a lot of books to read, and I got yours. I have your YA book. It's just that I'm helping my niece write a term paper for art. That's all I'll say about that. Sure, yeah. And yeah, that would be a very different book, um, but um, I'm excited about that one. It's it's a very sweet well, we're going to talk about that after because I definitely have it in my pile of to read. Cool. Um, why is he loyal to Gail and Marlena? What, what's so special about them? Uh, so, you know, whenever somebody kind of first comes comes to the city, um, you know, it's like anything. It's like they're wide-eyed. They kind of stand out. Um, and so, at first, he's kind of able to see a little bit of like the outside world that he remembers in both of them. They, they both come for sort of different reasons, get different roles. Um, but especially Marlena is, is unlike anybody he's met in the city for a while. Everybody there has kind of, you know, been doing the same thing for a lot of years, and they're in this rut, and she's kind of this wide-eyed person that's excited to be there. Um, and along with the orange soda that he's been drinking that's making him passionate, um, you know, it, it kind of brings out another type of passion in him. Um, and, you know, whether, you know, make the argument whether they really fall in love, whether it's, you know, soda engineered. Um, but I think the two of them really find kind of comfort in one another. Gail is a more complex character. It's hard. I don't want to give too much away for her. She's another one that has many kind of layers and reveals herself as, as the book comes on. Um, but she's been brought to the city, um, you know, really to, you know, save her daughter. Her daughter um, was born with tetraamelia syndrome. Um, she has no limbs, um, and the man has basically promised limbs mm. for her the more she kind of um, does his bidding. Um, so she's like an indentured servant to him, basically. And even though she doesn't like it, she feels, you know, it's, it's, it's for her daughter. 
Um, so she's she's a complex character, you know, and I've I've, I've gotten kind of the, not a criticism, but that people sort of see those two characters as the same. Um, and I don't know, I, I kind of disagree with that. I think that they're they're very different, um, and they have very different motivations and mm-hmm. um, purposes in the story. When he learns the harsh truth, what does he do? And what would anybody do in his place when he learns the truth about what's going on, other than want to get the heck out of there? Um, say that again? What happens when, when Graham and everybody learns the truth about what's happening? What are, what are, the, let's, what are the selecteds? That's what I was curious. Yeah, what are the, the selecteds? The selected are people that, um, you know, are basically brought to the city, um, and, you know, they're chosen. They're chosen for a sort of specific reason, um, and the reason is to kind of, you know, do the city's bidding. Um, and a lot of times they're, you know, enticed without um, realizing what their purpose would be. So I don't know if I wrote this word right, because my computer has a habit of, not liking me sometimes and not right correcting my mistakes. So tell us about the Congress. What did they sign, and why are they signing it so blindly? Because they needed some sense of stability, so they just signed the contracts. A contract. I don't think I wrote the right word. Yeah, like they're they're basically, um, you know, they're in a bind. You know, like somebody like Graham, he's about to go to prison. So it's either like go to prison for twenty years or try out this new city. So. For a lot of people, they're like, sure, why not? You know, like, I'll give it I'll give it a shot. I don't know. So what happens when they realize that it's not over yet? What's, what comes next for these people? Um, yeah, you know, it's bad. It's like they're basically locked into the city. They're, there's no sort of, you know, option to get out of it. They just have to their job, do their bidding, and, you know, that's it. Oh, well, what, what do, I'm looking at, the, at my thing over here, and what is next? You said Lemon World. What's going to happen next? Yeah, so, you know, without giving too much away, like I said, there's sort of multiple cities. Um, so Lemon World is another city that exists, run by somebody else, um, and a few of the characters from this book wind up in that city, um, and it's is ultimately sort of, you know, is on their way to, to going to the outside world. So when you're writing this, which characters are you going to bring back in Lemon World? Um, so I don't really want to give too much away because that would mean you know who, like, survives. Um, but a good chunk of the main characters will back. Um, well, how is that world going to be different than Orange World? Uh, so Lemon World has a more like a Mad Max type of feel to it. It's a little bit more of like a wasteland um, mm. where Orange City is more like a city city. Um, so, yeah, it is, the book will have a very, very different feel to it. That is, that is scary. This whole thing's scary. What can I say? So, yeah. let me add some more questions here. So when you write a, a character like this one, like Graham or any of them in a series, um, how are you going to scare us some more? I mean, how are you going to make one Graham want to come, keep coming back? This is only one. How many are you going to write? How many of these are you going to write? I hope a lot. Um, I mean, a lot depends. So it really is just going to be, in my eyes, these two. Um, but um, I own the rights 
to these, this book from my publisher, so we're going to try a bigger publisher with it. Um, yeah, I think so too. If, so if, if, if there's interest, I'll write more of them. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, we'll kind of see, that, you know, when, if, if and when that happens. Um, but if it's just going to stay, um, you know, indie, um, it's, there'll only be one more book. I have, I have other books that I want to write. I know, but you got to write Lemon World because it's going to bother me if I don't know what happens. No, <laughs> no seriously. I will, I will. I have a book ahead of it that I am um, contractually bound to write. Um, but after that, I'll, 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 I'm going to start Lemon World. Well, tell me something. Are you going to use the same publisher or are you going to change? Um, so yeah. like I said, it'll have depends. Um, you know, this book was my first doing it as like a hybrid publisher, um, and they've mm-hmm. been great. I've really enjoyed working with them, kind of to test it out. Yeah. But I'm using it as a way to for the book to get noticed, so then my agent could sell it to hopefully a bigger press. Um, so that that that's really sort of the goal. Um, and I think the book, it, 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 I'm feeling that it should be bigger. You know, when I started, it felt kind of small and weird. Um, and the reviews that it's getting, the reactions it's getting, people seem to be really into it. Um, so I feel like it really has a shot at, at a bigger place. Mm. Well, the only the only thing I could I could say is that um, did they when they, when you work with them did they give you content or um, information or feedback on what they think your your novel should be to make it stronger or better when you work with an independent publisher? Yeah, yeah, no, I, they 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 were great. You know, there was great editing. Really? They did amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing cover design. Um, you know, it felt like I, I mean, I've worked with many different publishers before. It was no different to me than other publishers that I worked with. So it was a really great. Um, it was really, yeah, you know, I, I was really happy to do work with them. Um, and the book, I feel like, would have been a hard sell separately. I mm. think going first to. Um, you know, like a core with it and not having written sci-fi before, um, I think I would have had a really hard shot at, 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 at possibly selling. Now with some reviews and, you know, like the, the book just came out already, it's 100 reviews almost on Goodreads. Like it's just been doing well so far. So, um, you know, we'll see. Did they help you promote, are they going to help you promote this? No. This so marketing? Really all separate. I mean, you, they, there's the marketing that you could do with them. I sort of did my own marketing, um, but you know, it, it's almost you're, you're, you're paying for the editing services, you're paying for the design services, um, and, and that's, that's really expensive. I wanted to add more to it. Um, and it was just trying to be new for, you know, like I published a big press, I published a big press. It's my first time trying with a hybrid press, my first sci-fi. Um, and it was a positive experience. I definitely would recommend um, atmosphere to, to other people who kind of want to go that route. Mm. So, I have your YA book inside of my to-read pile. And um, tell everybody about, something a little about Runaway Train and how come you wrote it. And um, that's it's interesting. I just, I, I read five books at one time. No, I really do. And, um, Yours is in my to-read pile, <laughs> in the awesome. other pile. So uh, it's going to take me a while, people, because I have to help my niece do stuff for school. And I'm really doing very well at college for the sixth time, but it's okay. So what, I mean, 
tell us about the book. Give us a little bit of a, of a hint so people that are listening are going to want to get it because I have a lot of YAs in my family. Yeah, so Runaway Train, um, it's my first YA book. It's about a girl named Nico in the 1990s. Um, she unfortunately loses her sister. Her sister dies very suddenly of a brain aneurysm. Um, and it just kind of sends her off the rails. So she was already somebody who was, you know, she skips school a little bit. She drinks, she smells pot. You know, she's a little bit of a rebel. Her sister was kind of, a, you know, perfect, um, you know, mm. track and field, wanted to be a doctor, loved pop music. Um, and it, her parents don't really know how to deal with, you know, um, the loss of, of the child, and they're not really paying attention to Nico. So um, she decides to run away. So, she, you know, her goal is to kind of do all the items bucket list that she wouldn't have been able to do um, normally, and um, culminating with meeting Kurt Cobain, like going to his house in Seattle and meeting her idol. Um, she really wants to be a, a, a singer, a grunge singer. Kind of, you know, finds her voice during during the journey as well. So it's a very sweet book. It's a love letter to the, the 1990s, um, and it comes at April 29th, so in about a month. So how how safe is that to do what she's doing? I mean, it's this time period, right? Not safe. So how safe no, is that? Safe. It's not this time period. Uh, not safe at all. I mean, she's she's 16. She's going right around. But the book's not about that. It's, you know, she there's, there's danger elements, and she puts herself in, um, but you know, the, the book is really finding herself. Had she stayed, yeah. she would have done something bad to herself because it was getting on that level. She, this is really a cry for help. You know, her, her parents were neglecting her. They weren't dealing with, you know, the loss of, of, of losing uh, her losing her sister. Um, yeah, no, so no. it was more dangerous for her to stay. To, for her to do this, it, 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 it's an element of, like, you know, expressing her freedom, basically, and finding herself and finding what she wants. So the book is going to be the first in a series. There's going to be three books. Um, the second oh, good. Written, yeah, the second I wrote and I'm working on kind of the final edits for, um, and the second kind of charts her, her journey um, as a singer. So she, form, she falls in with a band. Um, they become quite famous very suddenly. Um, so it's almost like a behind-the-music you know, it's about the band's rise in, in fame and ultimately downfall. I'm going to have to give that to my niece because her first song dropped on January 1st, and mm-hmm. she's doing very well. Oh, yeah. And she's, go- she's going to Nashville next month, and I get nervous because she's 20 and she's gorgeous, and I worry. And she's going to print and do some more music. I was hoping she'd go back to school, Thanks. but kind that of everything. Yeah, the song came out. It's called Eat Your Heart Out by Quality Tap, and it's really good. If I say so, it's good. And um, I'm just hoping that it works out. But I think, you know, that that's exactly right. She had to find, she has to find herself. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Until these kids find their directions. I, you know, I wonder, with what's going on in the news and everything, how many of them have no direction? That's really sad. And a lot of yeah. kids are dropping out of school because of the, yeah. the virus. I know. Yeah, because I, they don't I want... can't imagine what it, what it would be like to be, you know, a kid right now dealing with this. Or, I mean, if I was 18, would I want to go to college right now? And, you know, I mean, you know, it looks like we're headed in a good direction, maybe for the fall semester. Things I might be so. okay. Um, you know, but, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I, 
I feel bad for kids now, definitely. Yeah, my niece goes to college in Florida, but she's online, all this, these classes, and I'm yeah, glad to go to last time. She was had one class in and the other three out, and she's an A student. She's a 4.0, but still, it's hard because you don't get to meet a lot of people. My other niece mm-hmm. is going to um, a college in Florida, and the professors actually do nothing. They have the you know Zoom classes, yeah. and they give the assignment, and that's about it. Then they mm-hmm. expect you just to do it, and if you're lucky, they'll answer you. So let's get back to my Iron City. Okay, what can people learn from the characters in Iron City? What would you hope Graham would take from this, or Marlena, or Gail? What would you hope that they would learn from this experience if they had to go and leave Iron City and went someplace else? What would they have taken from this place? What would they not? What would they want to keep, and what would they want to get rid of? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, learning like what you'll what you'll stand up for and how much you'll put up with, you know, the, these people basically were like drones, you know, and, and they weren't aware yeah. of they were, it was like, they were just doing it every day. They, they, you know, they couldn't see the forest for the trees. Um, so, you know, they, they form a rebellion. They rebel against the city. You know, the book is the second half of the book's really about that. Um, and, you know, it, they'll be more aware when they unfortunately wind up in this other city how to handle it, and ultimately to find a way back to the outside world, um, and then to use what they've learned in those cities to maybe make the outside world a better place, you know, and, and bring it back to, to what it was. Um, so, yeah, we shall see. <laughs> they, they would have to really work hard at that, because I would hope they yeah. leave that the man doesn't come back to, into the new world either. But he can go anywhere he wants, right? It doesn't matter. He can go anywhere he wants. Um, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> to a point. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, it's complicated. So how did you come up with the name of the bar? That was cool. Which one? The bar. How did you come up with the name of the bar where these people, this, this Citrus Club? Yeah, yeah I don't know. It, it just When I was thinking of different kind of colors connected to the different bars, um, it just popped in my head. So if you could come up with another soda, we're not going to come up with sodas in the next one. Are you going to come up with some lemon? I love lemon, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, in lemon world, there's basically one soda, and it's the lemon soda, and that kind of controls the population there. Um, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, it's kind of a wink to, like, what happens at the end of the book. Um, so, But it's it's different. The, the, the city will be run by a woman, um, and she... Oh, nice. Instead of being in an eye tower, she flies around in the city in a giant lemon. So this is lemon going to have drugs in it to control people? Because I may never eat one again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still fleshing out a lot of it. Um, I haven't figured out. So like I said, it'll have a very Mad Max kind of feel to it. It'll, it'll feel very kind of end of the world type of place. And then, you know, this, this creepy, like, Mm. lemon just flies around um and 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 i haven't quite figured out the woman like what she'll look like I, yeah i'm still still working Correct. on that maybe a corolla deville <laughs> or yeah i w- almost don't want to be like so on the nose like i almost you know, the man is so menacing i almost want to make her the opposite kind of where yeah she's, she's very beautiful teasing. 
you know, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah something, I don't know, some, something like that. Like, you know, she's definitely going to have like a robotic kind of, you know, quality to her like Amanda. Um, but I, I want her to mm. appeal um, to people. She, she definitely um, puts the fear into her citizens in a different way than, than Amanda does. Well, that that is really good. I'm seriously, that is really Thank you. good. Thank because you. you know, there's so many books with the male characters. They run it that when you get a feud with the female characters that are evil, I want to emulate them sometimes too. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Population Zero is getting there. Uh, the covers there. I didn't do a cover reveal. I don't know if they're going to do one. If they don't, I'll manage to get one. Um, the inside is done, sort of. I corrected whatever. Uh, what they did as far as um, editing is not a lot. They just they just had this girl say, this is, is this necessary, whatever. Just like four or five things they told me to delete, and that was it. They didn't tell me to do anything else. I read it over, <laughs> and I said, I'm impressed. There's no grammar mistakes, yay, no spelling. At least I can't find any hit. <laughs> and um, some good. of the chapter headings were missing. So where it says, you know, part two, I crossed out something, and where they didn't put in the world of artificial, whatever it is, I put it there, and they didn't, they didn't do. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm hoping that, it, that that people will buy it. The only problem is that I think I'm going to tell them to do it as a novella, because it's only not that just about 70 pages. Except I, I don't oh, know okay. why they said, I said I specifically think that the font should be more than 12, because I can't read it. It has to be larger. I say if you can make it a little bit larger and, you know, give some spacing in between it, like a you know, double space or a space and a half, it would look better. Like I'm looking at yours, and your font, that can't be 12 because I could see it. It's bigger. They could not have possibly, if that's a 12 font, I don't think so. It's, it looks bigger um, besides the fact that it's, it's darker. I, I can't no, I tell. Think it's, I think it's 12 font. I think that's sort of the standard. Um, I don't. I, to me, I don't think it's bigger. I think it's 12 font. It's not that bad because then you know what? I've been getting books that are in 10 and 9 and 8 fonts, and I've been just taking yeah. them aside because I won't read them. So before we yeah. end, where can we find out more about you, and when are you writing the sequel to The Ancestor? Hint, hint. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, so thematthewgoldberg.com, um, a sequel to The Ancestor, you know, I have an idea, it's, um, I, it's not in the works, it's, it's just an idea, um, but it's something in life I, I would like to, I would like to write, so, you know, and the book, that book has, you know, gotten such great feedback from people, and people definitely seem to want, uh, a sequel to it, so, you know, if there would be a sequel it would take place a few years later um and it would it would would be the the working title i have would be like the saw or the sawing so it would be which wouldn't be the title i would keep but it would be about that so it would be when um the main character travis thaws years later from being on ice, and then what happens as he re-enters, you know, society. His, his family has been taken over by his doppelganger, basically. Um, so, yeah. And where can everybody find out more about you and your work? And you have no idea how many people have been reading my review of The Ancestor on Goodreads. At least 100, oh, maybe cool. more. Seriously. Very cool. Yeah, they yeah, are. They're reading cool. it. And, 
That's and I'm going to put this one on later as soon as I get my Thank act you. together. Thank you. I'll do this one um, also. The, uh, the reviews are on Amazon, by the way, with 12 stars, so don't worry about that. Oh, cool, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. You can like find me at LeeMatthewGilbert.com. I'm on Twitter, LeeMatthewG, Lee um, Instagram. Um, send me an email. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. Enjoy the books, buy them, um, and happy reading. That is that is fantastic, and I will be letting you know when I have another panel, which I do have two in May, but I'm going to try to do one in um, maybe at the end of August or beginning of September. I would like to do one. Uh, we sure. just did one. The uh, we just did one. I, I can't. It, we we did an impromptu one the other day, and Dick Belsky was on, and a few other people, and we and Jeff mm-hmm. Bond, and we talked about uh, education and how it's affecting mm-hmm. young people. And how this mm-hmm. we, we we didn't start out talking about the virus, but we did, and um, mm-hmm. different reactions to different things like the vaccine and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of different subjects that I have, but I will let you know. But thank you so much, Lee. Everyone, thank you for having me as always. Before I end my show, I always say this: just one small ask. Whether you have the vaccine or not, please go outside and get a mask. Wear a mask. Because you Absolutely. need to protect yourself no matter what. I had both shots. I won't say what happened. Um, I had both vaccines already, and I still wear a mask when I go outside. Because you know what? You're yeah, really not yeah. sure what's going to happen. Yeah, so everybody... I've, had just, I've had one shot, but mask up always. Yeah, one. Do you have to get a second one, or do you just have one? No, I get my second one next week, yeah. I won't even tell you. <laughs> it, it, it works, <laughs> let me tell you. But everybody right. uh, yeah, have I'm a great day. Everybody stay safe. I the first one, so I'm, I'm, I'm Yeah, I did. I, I won't it. even tell you what happened to both of them. It was an ex- okay. experience. What can I say? But okay. it's worth it. Everybody yeah, yeah. have a great day. Stay safe and bye. Take care. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.